Which one is it? You see it? Find that verse. Find that verse. I want everybody to find it. Find that verse. You see it? There are all kinds of things in Proverbs 22 that you need to hear, that I need to follow, that we need to remember. He's going to talk some things about money, some serious things. And more if I'm reading right and if I'm understanding, if I'm hearing right, and if, if my life experiences has any, has any value at all, how, how important, how significant is the influence on money on our marriages and on our raising of our children and on our preparing for them for a, a better life? How important is it? Yes, and I, I need you to tell me. Why is it important? What's so important? Why is, why is this thing about money? Why does it get to be such a big deal? It's just money. Yeah, sometimes it consumes us with worry. What else? Ah, marriages are destroyed by it. It's just money. It's just money, and yet it's the very thing that will destroy marriage. It, one of the things in it, it's going to talk about when it talks about money, it's going to talk about the man who won't go out and get a job. He's a sluggard. He won't go out and take care of his responsibility because... He says there's a lion out in the street. He might be murdered if he gets out and go gets a job. Well, I'm thinking your wife should kill you if you don't get a job. So maybe that there should be, we should create some more motivation there. Amen. But that you, there's lots of stuff about money. But there's a G and other things listed. I want us to focus on one. Can somebody tell me why I think it's the why you I think it? And I'll let you read my mind. Why do I think this one, verse 6, is the most important of this batch for this group? Why is 22.6 the most important for us? How many of us can look back at where we came from and the mistakes we made now, that's not true in my case, but we can look back and we see that was passed down to us. And we've got to break this cycle. Read it today. Read a statement today that said it's easier to prepare a child, to build up a child, than it is to repair an adult. So where's the, the simplest, easiest time to do the work? In 22, he's going to talk about anger. When's the best time to teach someone to control their temper? When they're a child. And mamas and grandmamas, if you've got a child or a grandchild that cannot control themselves, their temper, their emotions now, you better get on it now because at three, it's going to be much easier than at 13. And three's a way lot easier than 30. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Why do you think I think that's most important? Brad, I saw your hand. Yeah. 
Okay. Let's breathe out right quick. Let's do this first. And this may not be easy because we've got some little ones, but let's, let's be as honest as we can be about it. Tell me something that... You, Tell me something that happened in your childhood that broke you, hurt you, limited your ability to be a healthy, productive adult. Tell me something you didn't learn. Tell me some neglect. Tell me, so tell me something that you heard that affected you so much that it it hurts you in your ability to develop a healthy relationship. I would love for us to do this church, uh, us, have a time where we just focus on these kind of things. Because how many of us grew up being taught that the way people see us is the most important thing? What, how many of you grew up with, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? As if that was what mattered most. Now, is there a valid statement we want to care about? We want to, we want to be concerned what people think of us. Yeah. But should that be the motivating factor for my decisions? No. Tell me something you heard. Tell me something you, that happened. Tell me something that you lived with. I appreciate you being honest about that. Last call. Tell me something you heard. Tell me something that happened in your childhood that had a direct result, effect on your choices you made. Family breaking up. Family breaks up. How old were you when that happened? Uh, four. Four. What happens to a four-year-old when what he thought was the stable, secure, safe place disappears. What effect does it have on you? Yeah, it's hard to trust anything. What else? Yeah, there's a, and I, you can tell children all day long, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. What happens? They're still going to buy it. They're still going to buy into this their fault. Catherine?
decided he didn't want us to be a part of that, and he was going to raise us differently. Um, but the church that he raised us in, we rehearsed in that church, and it uh, started a domino effect of abuse. And we ended up, we didn't trust anybody in church, and we changed from God. All of us did, and it tore our family apart. I mean, it's taken over 20 years for us to let God back in our lives. And I still have two brothers out there that still haven't let that wall down. Um, I mean, we're all, we all are, have our own addictions, and uh, I had a brother sit in the prison, and we just tore our family apart. Uh, same thing that happened when I, I was five. So, I mean, it just tore our family apart. It was rather So doesn't it make sense that if those things had such a damaging effect on us and on people we love, would it make sense for us, first of all, to seek healing, to seek help, to seek healing for those things that are still broken in us, but also for us to make sure that we don't pass that on to the next generation? It's easier to build up a child than it is to repair an adult. We, God help us, we want to repair some adults here, right? Catherine, where, where's your mom and dad right now? With us? Uh-huh. And uh, your daughters? Uh-huh. And your grandchildren will not know of the the abuse, they'll not know of the addictions, they'll not know of the, the traumas because of the love and grace of God. So can, can God heal that stuff? Can He work? Yes, He can, and we want that to happen. But I'd like us to focus today, and we're going to do something really kind of, it's elementary, but I'm practicing for the second group because y'all are way more advanced than them. You're way more knowledgeable. You're way more spiritual. You're much better looking. <laughs> Seeing who's buying that. Okay, now, but I want to do something really elementary. I, we can spend months, if you want to, talking about what the word train means. I don't want to even worry about it. You want to put your kids on track? If you're going to keep something on track, if you're going to stay on track, You've got to have two rails. You've got to have two trues. You've got to have two rails that are parallel and stay fixed. If one of these starts to wiggle, what happens? The train goes off track, right? So what you want to do is you want to establish two great principles, two great truths in your lives that your, that your kids know about that, they, that really are a boundary for them. What are those? Love and faithfulness, truth and mercy. What are those? I'm sorry? Wise things. Love. Example. I'm open, I'm listening. Let me give you two, let me give you two that Jesus, that I stole from Jesus, okay? 
then I figure if I repeat what Jesus says, I win. All right? Jesus says, love God and love people. Love God, love your neighbor. Are those not the two great commandments? So if those things are set, if those principles are set, set in my life, and my kids learn them, and my kids not just hear them from my mouth, but see them in my life, because isn't that the point of train? You don't tell people. Somebody tell me how to whistle. Tell me. Tell me how to whistle. You can't do it. Now, I've, I've done that, and, it, and there was always somebody who started whistling. No, 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 no. Don't whistle. Tell me how to whistle. And you can't teach somebody how to whistle unless you show them. I, there may be a book. There may be a book in the library that says, here's how to whistle, but I'll bet you it's full of illustrations because you can't do it with words. But mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, next door neighbor, babysitter, whoever is involved in teaching and loving and being around any of these kids that we've got, I'm not talking about anybody else, just us, would it not make sense that if we want our children to stay on track, we make sure they see in us the two most important things Jesus said we're to do? Love God. And all that that means, and then love your neighbor. If we could get those two things set, then what could we do for our children? What would it do for our kids if, they, if our kids knew, if our kids knew that the most important things in them were not to please everybody else, was not necessarily to make the best grades, not necessarily run faster, jump higher than anybody else, not necessarily look cooler than anybody else. What if they understood that the most important thing in life was to love God and to love neighbor like Jesus did? What would it how would it affect their life? I think she just defined it, didn't she? The first step of any kind of love, anything, is acceptance, right? Is acceptance. It's not about the, it's not the length of your hair or if you've got hair, <laughs> right? It's not about the tattoo or the lack of tattoos. It's not about the number of teeth, if there are any teeth. It's not about, it's not about the job. It's not about the bank account. That person was created in the image of God. How did Jesus treat... Well, good statement. We've got to work on it. We've got to spend some more time on it. But Jesus will teach a lesson. And He'll talk about a guy from Samaria that nobody would have wanted to come to the family reunion found the guy in the ditch, remember? And what did he do? He went down to him when the priest wouldn't. 
when the Levi wouldn't, when the good folks, when the right folks, when the spiritual church folks, when they wouldn't, this Samaritan that nobody wanted around in their lives walked down and got his hands dirty, bound up his wounds. I didn't make it up. Bound up his wounds, loaded him. We've, we have missed, we've watched, we've read that parable and we've labeled that the Good Samaritan and we've heard the sermon and walked home and didn't understand. What did that guy do? What did it take to get that guy, his wounds bound up? What did it take for him to get him up on that donkey? You, you, got, you, you got to get your hands dirty. So love your neighbor means do what they need. What they need. I'm not saying enable, I'm saying do what they need. So they can take, so they can rest and so they can heal. Is it not, isn't that what this place is all about? Is to let people come in and have a place to rest, regardless of where they've been, what they've done, rest and heal. Give them these two pillars. Now here's what, we've got to do this quick now because y'all talked way too long. I want you to use 22. You have to stay in 22. Yes, you have to stay in 22. And I don't want to hear any whining. Stay in 22 and find one, one, one cross tie, one principle, one truth, one thing from the wisdom of God. We'll do three. Ah, sharing what you have with others. What verse? Look at verse 9. Read it. Somebody read it. 9. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. All right. Do your children know anything about that? Now, I'll be real honest. I'll be real honest. I grew up in my raising my children. I lived in a part of town where I didn't know there were any hungry people. I didn't know there were any homeless people. I didn't know there was anybody that was hungry. Serious. I can remember being in a church meeting in a rather large church where it was being discussed, this idea of helping people that were hungry, helping people that were homeless, and the statement was made, well, there's nobody in Lubbock that's homeless. There's nobody in Lubbock that's hungry. And so what did we do? We, there was nothing for us to do, so we went on to the next order of business. Guess what? It's not true. You know why, why we didn't know it? We weren't looking. I was looking at the people I knew. Oh, Lynn's doing okay. Good, good. I'll buy him lunch sometime. Nah, not really. I, you know, I always made him pay. You know, Share with people. Do your children know about sharing? Now, I know it's tough teaching them to share with brother and sister. That's a tough deal. That still needs to be taught, but I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about them learning that there are people that are not as blessed as they are. They don't have a pantry. They don't have a refrigerator full of food. They can't go get an afternoon snack. Do our kids know how and where they can help somebody with that? All right, what else you teach them? Give me another one. We're going to three. Leland. Don't be associated with an angry man. Ah, what verse? 24. Well, I'm glad Leland said this one. 
because mamas, daddies, brothers, sisters, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, babysitters, Bible class teachers, and anybody that has any kind of influence on any kid anywhere, if you've got a child who is an angry child, handle it now. It's easier to build up the child than it is to repair the adult. Now, will it be easy? No. But there are ways. There are, and, and, and you, what you do is you just do the best you can do. And you do what the best you can do to drive that foolishness from him or her. Okay, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. So first... Start with your child, your children. And if you can't, if you can't, if you're having a hard time with that, maybe it's time to say something out loud because there, maybe there's somebody else in this room who had somebody that had an angry child. And I can tell you how I failed my angry child. So maybe you won't repeat that. And maybe there's some of us in here that didn't fail our angry children and you were able to to help them overcome it. I want to know those things. I'd want, I'd want you to share those. That makes sense? Let's help each other with that. But start now. If you've got a child that gets out of, bent out of shape about little minor things, start now. Wade into it now. Don't put... I, and, and yeah, while I'm holding my head thinking about what I just thought of, so I don't want to say it. I'm trying to hold it in. Linda's right. You make sure, because nine times out of four, where'd they learn that behavior? So maybe the way they learn, unlearn it is to watch you unlearn it. Right? So start, always starts with you. Always starts with you. Always starts with you. But it's not about making excuses. Well, they're tired. Well, they're not feeling good. Now, they may be tired and they may not be feeling good. But too often we excuse that behavior. Now, take it to the next level. You got kids that are starting to make friends that when they, they move out of your and they start socially developing, you help them, you, you stop them. You find a way to stop them not making friends with angry people. Where will it lead? Where does it lead? What does it say? You'll learn his ways. Now I know as a kid, man, some of the kids that used to get angry and say things to the teacher and get in trouble all the time were kind of the cool kids, you know. They didn't care. I lived in fear constantly. And all of a sudden there'd be these kids in school. They didn't care. They'd talk back to the teacher. They'd talk back to the coach. Now we never saw them later, but I mean, I, I, I was so afraid of my own shadow, that looked kind of cool. You teach them that at home, and then you keep them from associating with those kids. Those kids. We're not talking about tattoos. We're not talking about bank accounts. We're not talking about how they dress. We're not talking about whether their shoes come from Nike or from Walmart. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about that attitude of anger. 
All right. Brad, last one. What verse? We're not going to... We have got to do this. Church, we've got to do this sometime when we can get all of our parents and all of our grandparents here and us have this conversation again and, and really wade into it. We need to address this, but we've got to learn to teach our children that it's okay for them to protect themselves, and we've got to teach them how to do that, okay? Maybe it was not a big deal back in the day, but I can still remember being made, being made to hug somebody or to kiss somebody Kiss your Aunt Susie, you know, hug your Aunt Susie, because you're going to hurt their feelings. And so what does the child that's uncomfortable, what does the child that's in, feeling nervous, wh wh where's the responsibility? Where are we putting the pressure? On the child. No, 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 no. If it, hurt, it hurts Aunt Susie feeling that this baby doesn't want to kiss her, she'll get over it. And if she doesn't, she needs to grow up. Right? Does that make sense? Because you take away a child's, you take away a child's ability to draw a boundary. What have you done? You've opened them up. Because then, when they're older and somebody starts to act like they got a hurt feeling, what are they going to do? They're going to do whatever it takes to make sure they don't get their feeling. You can't, you can't let that child. You've got to let that child learn to protect themselves. Brad. I've taught uh, Owen to hold out her hand like this and say, settle. <laughs> settle. It's an internal joke, but it works well because she, she'll look at me when I'm after her and she'll say, Papa, settle. <laughs> when she holds up her hand, I surrender. Do I want her to be able to do that when she's 12, 16, 20? Yeah. Let's teach our children to protect themselves, to protect their bodies, to protect their hearts. Let's teach them those things. Would our lives have been different had we been taught those things? Yeah. But it's easier to build a child than to repair an adult. Now, may God give us wisdom, right? And what I want us to do right now, and I'm going to ask Jimmy, uh, how many grandchildren you got, Jimmy? None. How many greats? Four. Okay. <laughs> Maxine, how many? Yeah. Eleven. I've been in the fog last few years.
I'm still going to ask Jimmy to pray for those nine and hope that he'll include the other two. I don't know. He may not like them. I don't know what to do. But uh, let's pray and ask God to give us wisdom. And I, again, it's not, we're not just talking to parents and we're not just talking to, to grandparents. We're talking to aunts and uncles. We're talking about to the, if you're a babysitter, if you're a Bible class teacher, if you teach in a classroom, or if you just bump into these kids that are around here, let's train them in the way in which they should go. And then we'll trust the Lord to keep them on track. Right? Let's pray.